let's say you go into a, you can do this in a room. It's quite fun to do it just when you're sitting in a room, like a room, maybe your bedroom. You can sit there and just sort of meditate on it and think, okay, if I wanted to spend 10 minutes making this room better, what would I have to do? And you have to ask yourself that, right? It's not a command. It's like a genuine question. And things will pop out in the room that you know, you like there's a stack of papers over there that's kind of bugging you and you know that maybe little order there would be a good thing. And, you know, you haven't... There's some rubbish behind your computer monitor that you haven't attended to for like six months and the room would be slightly better if it was a little less dusty and the cables weren't all tangled up the same way. And, like, if you, if you allow yourself just to co- consider the expanse in which you exist at that moment, there'll be all sorts of things that'll pop out in it that you could just fix. And, you know, I might say, well, if you were coming to see me for psychotherapy, the easiest thing for us to do first would just be to get you to organize your room. You think, well, is that psychotherapy? And the answer is, well, it depends on how you conceive the limits of your being. And I would say, start where you can start. You know, if, if something announces itself to you, which is a strange way of thinking about it, as in need of repair, that you could repair, then, hey, fix it. You fix a hundred things like that, your life will be a lot different. Now, I often tell people too, fix the things you repeat every day, because people tend to think of those as trivial, right? You get up, you brush your teeth, you, you have your breakfast, you know, you, you have your routines that you go through every day. Well, those, those probably constitute 50% of your life. And people think, well, they're mundane, I don't need to pay attention to them. It's like, no, no, that's exactly wrong. The things you do every day, those are the most important things you do, hands down. All you have to do is do the arithmetic. You figure it out right away. So, a hundred adjustments to your broader domain of being, and there's a lot less rubbish and there's a lot less rubbish around, and a lot fewer traps for you to step into. And so, that's in keeping with Jung's idea about. Erasing the dis- once you've got your mind and your emotions together, and once you're acting that out, then you can extend what you're willing to consider yourself and start fixing up the things that are part of your broader extent. Now, sometimes you don't know how to do that. So you might say, imagine you're walking down Bloor Street and there's this guy who's like alcoholic and schizophrenic and has been on the streets for 10 years. He sort of stumbles towards you and, you know, incoherently mutters something. That's a problem. And it would be good if you could fix it, but you haven't got a clue about how to fix that. You just walk around that and go find something that you could fix, because if you muck about in that, not only is it unlikely that you'll help that person, it's very likely that you'll get hurt yourself. So, you know, just because while you're experiencing things announce themselves as in need of repair, doesn't mean that it's you right then and there that should repair them. You have to have some humility. You know, you don't walk up to a helicopter that isn't working and just start tinkering away with it. You, you have to stay within your domain of competence. But most of the time, if people look at their lives, you know, it's a very interesting thing to do. Uh, I, like the, I like the idea of the room because you can do that at the drop of a hat. You know, you go back to where you live and sit down and think, okay, I'm going to make this place better for half an hour. What should I do? And you have to ask and things will just pop up like mad. And it's partly because your mind is a very strange thing. As soon as you give it a name, a genuine aim, it'll reconfigure the world in keeping with that aim. That, that's actually how you see to begin with. 
And so if you set it a task, especially you have to be genuine about it, which is why you have to bring your thoughts and emotions together and then you have to get them in your body so you're acting consistently. You have to be genuine about the aim. But once you aim, the world will reconfigure itself around that aim, which is very strange. One of the things that's very strange about a phoenix is that, well, it's immortal, but in a strange way, you know, it lives and lives, I think, a hundred years and it gets older and older. And then one day, poof, it bursts into flames and turns into an egg. And then you get a new phoenix. So that's a symbol of transformation. It's a symbol of transformation. The bird is a spirit or psyche. And so here's what it means in part. You know, you know how when you learn a lesson in your life that that's not very pleasant? Right? It's not like when you learn something important, it's the best day of your life. It's often the importance of what you learn is often proportionate to just how wretched it is to learn it. You know, you learn things the hard way. You learn things by getting hit. Because, obviously, if what you're doing is working, you get what you want. There's no learning in that, and that's happy. It's when you're doing something and you hit an obstacle, and maybe you bloody well hit it hard, and then, you know, you recoil, and then you down into the depths you go, and you have to sort yourself out, and you realize that you're, you know, this particular kind of idiot, and that you should probably fix that, and that's really annoying and difficult, and, you know... And maybe you're down in the dumps and anxious for quite a while, and then you get it repaired more or less, and, you know, you put yourself back together. That's the phoenix. Poof. Into flames. Bang. Egg. New you. And so, you know, that's the ability to learn. Now, human beings are very strange creatures, right? Because we're very malleable compared to most animals. You know, like grizzly bears now and grizzly bears a thousand years ago. It's like, whatever. They're the same thing. They do the same thing. There's no transformation. But human beings, we have this massive brain. And, you know, it's a pain because it means you have to take care of human children until they're 40. And, <laughs> and that's a big burden. And so, you know, we pay a big price for it. It also makes childbirth very difficult. And, uh, and it's costly. You have to eat a lot because you have a big brain because it uses up a lot of energy. And so, you know... You, you pay a price for it, but the advantage is you're plastic. You can learn. Now, learning is a strange thing because you can think of it as just acquiring more information. But you could also think of it, and this is more accurate, as finding out something that you're doing wrong. So that's sort of built into you like a character, a character element of your character, a presumption of your perception or a deep habit. It's really built into you. It's a neural structure, right? It's, it's alive. And you have to kill it because it isn't working properly. And the pain that you go through in part when you're suffering because you did something stupid is it's something like your, your, the neurology. I can never get this quite right. It's the pain of the death of that structure. And that can be a huge chunk of you, you know, if, if you really have to go through a massive revision. It's like, the person that comes out the other end might hardly be the same at all. You know, that happens, for example, if you're trying to combat alcoholism, which is just, you know, a wretched thing to do because, well, all your friends are alcoholic. <clears throat> all your family drinks too much. The only thing you know how to do when you're socializing is to go to the bar and drink too much. 
you know, when you spend like 20 hours a week on it, it's like, it's not just that you're addicted to the substance, it's like that's how you live. And so if you want to stop being an alcoholic, not only do you have to stop drinking alcohol, but you have to stop seeing all your drunk friends, and maybe you've had them for your whole life, and you have to have continual battles with your drunk family, and then you have to figure out something to do with that 20 hours that's now like hanging around your neck like an albatross. And so you have to let that whole part of your personality die, and a new part has to spring forth. And that's what the phoenix is. And the phoenix is the capacity of the person to transform. You have all seen this video where you watch the basketballs being tossed back and forth between members of the white team versus the black team. And while you're doing that, a gorilla walks up into the middle of the video and you don't see it. It's like, you know, if you thought about that experiment for about five years, that would be about the right amount of time to spend thinking about it. Because what it shows you is that you see what you aim at. And that man, if you can get one thing through your head in, as a consequence of even being in university, that would be a good one. You see what you aim at. And so because one inference you might draw from that is be careful what you aim at right it what you aim at determines the way the world manifests itself to you and so if the world is manifesting itself in a very negative way one thing to ask is are you aiming at the right thing now you know i'm not trying to reduce everybody's problems to an improper aim people get cut off at the knees for all sorts of reasons you know they get sick they have accidents there's a random element to being that's for sure but, and so you don't want to take anything, even that particular phrase, too far. You want to bind it with the fact that random things do happen to people. But it's still a great thing to ask.